tangent, to break off suddenly from a line or train of thought, pursue another course. Webster's. Episode 24 of Parallel Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast, taking you on a journey through the Tangent Universe from its inception in 1997 to today. My name is Michael Bradley, one of your hosts, and with me as always is the other half of your dynamic hosting duo, Sean Engel. Hello everyone, how's it going Michael? Alright, how are you? I'm doing great, I'm looking forward to getting to cover some more of the Tangent Superman's Rain books. Yes. Uh, this episode, we are continuing, Continuing, I, I can't speak today, I promise, folks. We are <laughs> continuing our look at the Superman's Reign maxi-series with a look at issue number five, which finds our heroes basically going out of the frying pan and into the fire as they deal with the physical threat of Power Girl, and the Superman himself determines to learn more about these strange visitors from the DC Universe. Uh, we've also got a backup filling us in on the Princess of the Pun herself, the Joker, so, lots to look forward to this issue. Yep, I I, I agree. I, you know, we've we've had some discussion from uh, some of our writers in, uh, specifically Jadine, and I think Gene Hendricks mentioned it uh, as well that he was kind of cold on this. But so far, I have not found anything in the book that has really made me really concerned about it. I've been enjoying it. Uh, the art's been good. Uh, I'm hoping that there's not a downturn in it because so far it's been it's been a fun ride. Mm-hmm. I remember the series taking a downturn at the end as well, but I also remember not enjoying the front half as much as I have this time around. So maybe it's just the the, the sort of you know casting your memory back and mm-hmm. getting that sort of nostalgic look at it that it brings forth you know some things that you actually enjoyed about it and right. it's bringing more of that out. Yeah, and I have a lot of baggage from this era of comics anyway because there just wasn't a whole lot being published that I was enjoying. Mm-hmm. So maybe reading all the new books at that time you know was was uh casting this in a, in a worse light than it really deserved but yeah and i i know that unfortunately some things that are happening in the current era of dc are also not to a lot of people's liking so maybe looking back at this stuff and and the nostalgia factor of it is right. is giving us a better perspective on it right but before we get into that not only do we have some of your feedback to share but sean is going to share some non-spoilery thoughts on the most recent goings-on in the Tangent Universe, as the characters were recently revived again as part of the uh, DC's Convergence event. So, yeah. do you want to do the email first, or, or talk about Convergence first? Well, we can go ahead and talk about Convergence. Okay. I won't I won't spoil anything. Uh, basically, there were three crossover issues, and I think I talked about them in uh, 
uh, a couple episodes ago mm-hmm. about uh, Convergence of the Flash, Convergence of the New Teen Titans, and what was it? God, I had them over Justice here. Justice League. Justice League, yeah, Justice League America. Right. And uh, With the D- Justice League Detroit era. It, it, it was the Detroit Justice League. And to be honest, uh, Fabian Nicieza, who wrote the Justice League Detroit one, I thought in the end that turned out the best of all of them. It was the one that actually hit me and uh, made me emotionally involved in it. Because not only did it deal with uh, Ralph and Sue Dibney, who I'm a big fan of, uh, especially since their characters kind of got – screwed over with the whole identity crisis thing it was always nice to see them back and it was it was a nice way to show that the justice league detroit which is this very maligned era of the justice league to sort of come out on top in the issue they were fighting against the secret six and the the commonality uh, throughout all of these books was neither side was actually considered to be the bad guys. It wasn't you were supposed to be rooting against the tangent characters. Uh, they were all trying to do things heroic. They were all just trying to save their cities. But I think the, the Justice League issue really turned out well because not only did it portray both the Secret Six and the Justice League Detroit in a good light, it also had a, a really good ending. Um, I don't know how much, you know, obviously in, in the books, one side has to win out. So I'm not going to spoil who wins out, but you can probably imagine who wins out in most of the books, unfortunately. Uh, after that one, The Flash was really good. And it's very surprising because the matchup was the Barry Allen Flash versus the Tangent Superman. Mm. And essentially you would think, yeah, the Tangent Superman is going to mop Barry Allen, mop the floor with Barry Allen. But it really didn't turn out that way. And it has, uh, the Flash one has a really good ending where it sort of ties into the idea that Barry Allen is integral to the multiverse, especially with his dealings with Crisis, uh, the, the official Crisis, the Crisis on Infinite Earths. Right. So that was a really interesting tale and then finally what the new teen titan ones which was just the teen titans fighting against the doom patrol and that was good marv wolfman did a good job none of the characterizations of any of the tangent universe characters were out of place in that one it just seems that the uh the doom patrol was seemed to be more antagonistic and uh the character of doomsday dr day was more she was more of the sort of portrayed sort of as the big bad in it hmm. even though by the end of it she was kind of came over kind of came over to the side that we're both trying to do what's good for our city and get things done but overall like i said the the crossover events were good like i said uh probably my favorite was the just league of america then right after that uh the flash and then um the teen new teen titan one so if you can find these they'll probably you know right now they're out and you could probably get them you know, for their regular price, but I'm certain if you wait the uh, Professor Allen route, you can probably <laughs> probably find them sooner or later in uh, dollar bins. After that, but they're, they're definitely worth picking up if you're, especially if you're a fan of the Tangent Comics. I think that every writer got the voices down of the characters, and uh, they were really good stories. Especially the one that uh, Fabian Nicieza and Dan Abnett did for the Justice League and the uh, uh, Flash series. Hmm. I read I forget what site it was but I read on an, on another site reviews of the Flash and uh Teen Titans issues and that person was really really hot on the Flash issue saying it was one of the best ones that that they had read from it the was convergence crossover The thing about it is it really wasn't 
you know, the, a lot of them were a bunch of just them. They have to go together and they have to fight. Right. It's just go and beat each other up. This one, uh, because it was the tangent Superman, he tried to reason with Flash. And the, the a majority of the book was the tangent Superman saying, this is why you can't beat me. And it in, in the end, yes, there was a bit of fighting McFightenstein. But in the end, the tangent Superman realized that because of the Flash's connection with the uh the multiverse and the connection with crisis that you know he had to allow the flash to win and it was it was a really good story and dad dan abnett did a really good job telling that tale so that that's definitely one to pick up i would say and you've been reading the main conversion series as well right yeah i have been that i haven't been so hot on it's been an interesting tale it's it's trying to be like I think I said before. It's trying to be crisis, but it's just not quite getting there. Um, a, a majority of the first part of the book dealt specifically with the characters from the New Fifty Two, Earth Two, the Green Lantern, the the, the Jake Eric Flash, and the Alan Scott Green Lantern. The uh, I want to say Van L Superman. He's the African American or black Superman. Oh, okay, from Earth Two. And, yeah, and uh, you know. Um, it's interesting, but since I didn't really have any connection to those characters, if it were like Crisis and I had connection to you know the Earth Two characters from you know the the Golden and Silver Age, I probably would have been more interested in it. So maybe after I collect all of them and give them a reread, I might have a different opinion on them. But right now, I'm just kind of meh on it. Yeah, it it just hasn't been turning me on the way the individual stories have been. Have any of the tangent characters appeared in the main series, or are they just stuck in the uh, side issues? They're kind of stuck in the side issues. Mm-hmm. I think in the Zero issue, you may have seen, and it may have been from that image that you saw that was sort of the teaser image where it had oh, the right. mm-hmm. sort of grid with all the various different universes in there, and the tangent universe was in one little uh, hexaga- hex- hexagonal grid in there, and you right. can see all them. But yeah, they haven't really appeared specifically in the in that convergence book proper well the good news is hopefully the uh the convergence issues where they're appearing will you know drum up interest in the characters and and get folks to uh check out the old issues and stuff oh definitely and 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 like i said you know i i haven't read all of them because i don't have you know a a bank account that has (laughs) unlimited funds in it right but uh, none of from, us do, so it's okay. <laughs> but from what I've heard, and you know, from what I've heard, you know, just sort of buzz on the street. And my personal opinion, the Flash, the Just League of America, and the New Teen Titan ones have been some of the standout ones in the book. You know, I've heard people talk about the Green Lantern ones. Uh, some of my friends uh, who read the Green Lantern books and are you know follow the like the Lantern cast and that, who've said that they weren't really all that impressed with the uh, Green Lantern stuff. So hmm. there you go. There you go. Well, you ready to shift into emails? Let's do this. All right. Uh, first up, coincidentally enough, is an email from, I, I believe it's pronounced Jim Ramold. And if I've mispronounced your last name, Jim, I, I very much apologize. But his email subject is Tangent and Convergence. So very much topical to what we were just talking about. And Jim writes, Hi, long-time podcast... Oh. Hi, long-time podcast listener. First-time podcast emailer. I just heard your episode 11 where you talked about the Tangent Universe and Convergence. 
I first saw the Tangent Universe in the Convergence event, specifically with New Teen Titans number 1, which featured the Doom Patrol from the Tangent Universe. I write comic reviews for the BatmanUniverse.net, shameless plug. I wrote the review for this issue of New Teen Titans. This piqued my interest, and I was able to download the original issues, which do not have the back matter you guys referred to. Love the podcast, and I like the books I have read so far. I was not overly fond of The Flash from Wave 1 and Wonder Woman from Wave 2. Keep up the great work, Jim Mold. Yeah, um, I can understand The Flash from Issue 1. You know, I think we kind of had... We enjoyed the story and we enjoyed the sort of lighthearted feel of it, but I think the Gary Frank art kind of... It's sort of hyper-realism. Yeah. You know, took away from the sort of bubbly feel of the book. And I think I, think I was... A little less harsh on it than you, but compared to who who did the art on the second one, Paul Pelletier. Paul, yeah, Paul Pelletier. Yeah, compared to that, it, the second issue just really blew it out of the water. Yeah, it it, it captured both the in the story. It captured the the feel of the Leah Nelson Flash, mm-hmm. and the artwork did the same. It just it, and again, it's because I just love Paul Pelletier's art. He's <laughs> he was perfect for that book. Right. But the yeah, and I agree. The Wonder Woman. That was that was just kind of an odd duck. That was Peter David being sort of Peter David, right. I guess. Yeah, but it's good to see that the convergence issues are, you know, prompting people to seek out the original issues and in, in, in our podcasts. So yes, happy definitely. To see that. Well, uh, if we've got if we want to go on to the next one, do we want to go to uh, website comments? Yes. Okay, we've got website comments uh, for episode 19, and this comes from our listener, Jadine. She writes in and says, about episode 19, I have nothing to comment on this issue, except that it, I had mercifully forgotten the horrible way that Leah was drawn here. There is her on the cover, and there is her on the last page. That, that thing. I think I think we're both in uh, complete agreement with you, Jadine. Yeah. We were not that, happy That sums with- it up. Yeah, we were not happy with the way Leah was drawn in that issue. She goes on saying, I'm going to comment on the upper, other episode with more substance than I mustered up here. I think that Pelletier was the best. Yay. And Yeah, well, that's uh, we can't disagree with you there. Yeah, Pelletier captured Leah, I think, the best. And, you know, if, if I could have Paul Pelletier drawing, you know, a Flash ongoing series from the Tangent Universe, I would be I would be in heaven. Mm. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Jadine also wrote in for uh, episode number 20, and a little longer this time, thankfully, and she wrote, I just want to say this right here, right now. The only good issues, in my humble opinion, cough, cough, from this crossover are issues one through three. Uh Uh-oh. Possibly Hmm. four. And this is taking into account the setups that will go nowhere once you read through the series until the end. Oh, that doesn't. And still a lot of confidence. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I love this crossover mainly because there is some good stuff from it. But you might be able to tell at some point what parts were Jurgens doing his thing and what parts were editorial interference. There's also the fact that the art takes a turn for the worse. On a positive note, the covers by Carlos Pacheco are lovely and gorgeous, especially issue number twos. It's a shame he didn't stick around, or was booted out, for the rest of the covers. I think he got the characters right. Also, those history backups in the last pages... Those are full of inconsistencies in most issues, as the main story will be soon. Carl Ferris had already been established as being a talk show, ho- as being a talk show host, the Tangent uni- Universe equivalent of David Letterman. The Ferris aircraft thing is probably laziness on Mars's part and wanting to bring back, 
wanting to bring it back to the DC Ferris aircraft. There was nothing Ferris-related to air travel in the original run. Booster Gold is another inconsistency, as you saw, although your idea about maybe the story of the original Tangent Booster Gold being not what it seems, seems to be, is actually a good point. I ramble on too much. Still, I'm eager to see how the rest of the issues pan out for you. I definitely love this issue as a standalone. Like you said, it's fairly easy to understand for new readers and also gives us enough mystery to want to know more about what happened in the Tangent Universe. The second issue definitely keeps up the pace. Yeah, she... I, I don't know about... We haven't actually talked about 5 and 6 yet, obviously, but I've read 5 and 6, and I thought those were both pretty decent issues. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of yeah, nervous uh, about where it's going to go after that, but... Yeah, same here. You know, I, Like I said, it's getting near the middle of the book, and you think with the middle of anything, there's going to be a bit of a slowdown. And to to that point, there is, but it's not something where I'm like, ugh, this is going to be a slog and I don't want to read. It's still... Right keeping me engaged and keeping me wondering what's going to be going on. And, you know, I know by the end of book six that uh, Jamal Eigel, unfortunately, will be leaving the book. So maybe that's uh, a thing that's going to diminish the quality of it. I'm hoping that's not the case. But, uh, you know, like like I said, we'll figure this out soon. Mm-hmm. And on the inconsistencies, I haven't really noticed too many. I mean, the Booster Gold thing was one. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's one in, I think it's next issue that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, I think there was something but, in there that I I caught, but uh, we'll get to that next episode. Right. Yeah. But that one might be more a plot point. I, I'm not real, We'll talk about it next episode, but. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Well, you know what? Like I said, it's. <sighs> it's difficult to keep all these plot lines and little points together especially you know I think if Dan Jerkins were writing the backup as well it might be more he might have more of a story bible to go through I think Ron Mars was like okay this is something I have to do and you know I'll I'll do my best with it but if he doesn't get everything specifically right I don't think he was too worried about it not that I'm trying to diminish Ron Mars's writing but you know I think he may not have had the investment in it that maybe, say, Dan Jurgens would have. Right. But uh, thank you, Jadine, for writing in. It's always good to hear from you. Do we want to read another email? Or yes. Okay, we've got one more email here. Let's go to Professor Allen. He writes in with the title of his email, Parallel Lines. And he says, Mike and Sean, I think that Emily and I Facebooked this information a month or so back, but I don't think I actually sent the show feedback. But earlier in the year, I was able to nab copies of both the Joker and the Joker's Wild. Guess how much I paid for each one? Come on, guess. A dollar. Uh, $2. 75 cents. No. I'm certain. Oh, that's right. He paid 25 cents. Ah. We never would have guessed that. We, we, we both lost on the, the price yeah, the, right. Yeah, we both overbid. Uh, both were total steals, and Emily and I were right with you with your on your analysis. The jerk was excellent, and the jerker's wild was very good. Thanks. Well, very good. I thought they were both well. That, that's just niggling points. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to this show, I will definitely pick up any other tangent books I'm able to find in my favorite pi- price point. Well, maybe not the Sea Devils. <laughs> okay. I think Sea Devils is worth a quarter. The Sea Devils is definitely worth a quarter. Well, he says, yeah, probably even the Sea Devils. See what you've done to me. <laughs> You're tearing me apart, Lisa. Sorry. Keep up the good work. <laughs> 
<laughs> Professor Allen, host of the Quarter Bend Podcast and the Short Box Showcase. Oh, God. I can't believe I referenced the room on this show. I'm sorry. I have no idea what you're referencing. So Be, be glad. Okay. Just be glad. <laughs> Thank you very much, Professor, for your email. I, I would say any of the books we've covered on the show are worth picking up from the Quarter Bend. Oh, definitely. Even I, Wonder I, I, Woman. Yeah, even Wonder Woman, because it, it, was, it was fun art. It was... It was cerebral. It was thought-provoking. You know, it was... It's not It's not Peter David writing, say, like, the Supergirl stories. It's just Peter David going out on a lark. Mm-hmm. And although it doesn't really play into the overall idea of the Tangent Universe, it's an enjoyable read. So, there's that. You, you, can, you, you, you can at least get some enjoyment out of it for that, for that reason. Yeah. But oh. I think that's uh, – do, do we not want to knock it on the head uh, for emails I, right now? I think so. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and I will shut down my email and pull up my Word document and I will start in with our coverage of Tangent Superman's Reign number five. Ready for this? Yes. Okay. This one was cover dated to September 2008 and released released on July 16th of 2008 with a cover price of $2.99 US. Title, of course, was Tangent Superman's Reign number five. The writer was Dan Jurgens. The penciler, again, was Jamal Eigel, inker Robin Riggs, letter Steve Wands, colorist Canilla Tripp. The editor was Nachi Castro. The cover art was by Brad Walker and John Livesay. And, of course, the Tangent Universe was created by Dan Jurgens. On Earth-9, the Tangent Earth, the Chinese paranormal Power Girl, tells the assembled heroes of Tangent Flash, Spectre, and Manhunter, as well as New Earth heroes Green Lantern, Batman, Flash, Black Lightning, and Black Canary, to stand down and they won't be harmed. The heroes of two Earths doubt the veracity of the statement, and instead and instead decide to deliver some consequences, copyright Allen and Emily Middleton, 2014, all rights reserved, to the Asian antagonist. Unfortunately, the heroes are ill-prepared to face the might of Power Girl and readily get their butts handed to them. While the battle goes on, New Earth Flash retrieves the fallen body of Manhunter and finds that she's been killed. Angered beyond belief, the Tangent Flash unleashes a massive burst of energy at her foe, but Power Girl is able to absorb the energy and take down Leah as well as Wally, Dinah, and Jefferson. Realizing that they need to regroup, Batman asks Tangent Green Lantern if they have a place that they can retreat to. Luckily, she's able to open a mystical portal and transport Batman, Spectre, Pooch, and herself out of harm's way. Upset by the loss, Power Girl rounds up the fallen heroes and calls for a transport to a maximum security prison. Meanwhile, in a secret chamber, the techno-sorcerer Hex informs Lori Lamaris about his plans for taking down Superman. Lori says she's finished with that part of her life and wants no part of Hex's crusade. But Hex tries to convince her to help by showing her the aftermath of the Power Girl fight, including the murdered Manhunter. Stunned by the vision of the Orb of Revelation, Lori and Hex get to F. Lori and Hex get a FaceTime message from Sir William, telling them of the arrival of the new beings that just might be able to help their cause. Over in Switzerland, Power Girl arrives at Superman's Fortress of Solitude and is greeted with a welcoming kiss. Shackle heroes Green Lantern John Stewart and the Atom remark on the PDA, and the Atom asks if John is from the other Earth that he had visited. This piques Superman's interest, causing him to probe John's mind and discover the multitude of heroes and villains, powered and not, residing on New Earth. 
Concerned by the vast number of paranormals that could eventually oppose him, Superman takes John's ring in an attempt to use it to find a way to bridge the gap between the worlds. Cut to New Atlantis, where Spectre, Green Lantern, Batman, and Pooch enter the penthouse apartment of Moon Towers. The Lantern says that this is the safest place they can be at the moment, since it is shielded both by her magic and the Spectre's technology. Still leery of all of it, Batman follows the two into a secret lab in the middle of the apartment, a secret lab filled with high-end tangent tech, as well as the viscous hero in a holding tank, Gunther Gans, a.k.a. Plastic Man. And there we go. Yes, uh, it's good to see because in, uh, I think, what, like issue two or issue three, we saw the fight between the the Secret Six and the Superman, and we basically saw Mm -hmm. Plastic Man get wiped out. It's good to see that Plastic Man is still around. Yeah. I really like this chapter uh, for many of the same reasons we've talked about in previous episodes. It had great action and substantial character moments and outstanding art. Mm -hmm. But when I got to the last page, I felt a little bit, underwhelmed and i've had trouble pinpointing exactly why and the only thing i can really come up with is that this chapter as a whole didn't really advance the story as much as some of the others have yeah i think that it also lacks the sort of gotcha climactic ending that we had the past couple ones in the last issue we had the reveal that of the atom being posed uh holographically by power girl right and there is not that sort of cliffhanger ending here. It's like the cliffhanger ending is, oh, here is someone that we've seen before. Yeah. So that that is kind of a disappointing thing. But overall, I, you know, I think the story is is progressing fine. I, I think I mentioned at the beginning of the show that it's part of the middle part of the book. So we're going to get that inevitable slowdown. Uh, you see this in you know, re- referencing another show that I enjoy, uh, Doctor Who, when you have these – four-part and six-part episodes in the middle two or three is just basically sometimes the doctor and his companions running around and really not doing anything here we're getting a little of that it's kind of slowing down but we're at least getting some more things developing it's not grind it's not grinding to a halt at least right um i will still have to say that the artwork is incredible i'm going to have some really nice things to comment about agle's art in the issue um there, there's one page, you know, I, I commented on prior, on prior episodes, I would liken Eichel's artwork to uh, like Kevin McGuire and the way he draws facial expressions. In some ways, I could also, and this, I don't know whether this will be blasphemy or not, but I also would uh, sort of liken him to a sort of George Perez and his page layouts and his uh, allowing various multiple characters to be doing things on pages. Mm-hmm. So I don't know whether that's you know, high praise or blasphemy, but I, I'm really enjoy Eichel's artwork here. He seems to really pay attention to every character on the page. They're not just there. They're, they're still doing things and, and acting as their own character, even though they're not necessarily part of the specific scene that's happening. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't not like the issue. It just left me a little flatter compared to previous issues. Um, but, I, you know, I do have some positive things to say and some, some critical bits, so uh, let's take a break, and then we'll come back and get into the page-by-page. Sounds good. Oh, oh, oh. Feels good. Hello, sweetie. My name is Aaron Moss, a.k.a. Head. I love Star Wars, comic books, movies, reading, comedy, and most things geeky. Come join me monthly 
well, mostly monthly, as I talk about the things I like and a few of the things I hate. Where you may ask, why I'm at Head Speaks. I can be found on iTunes under Head Speaks and at my website at headspeaks.com and then click on Headcasts. Also, you can find me on Facebook and Google Plus, both under Head Speaks. Come, take a listen. This podcast is not endorsed or affiliated by Kid and Play. Though, that would be cool, huh? I'll go ahead and let Kid and Play finish the promo out. Hi, my name is Teresa. And my name is Rebecca. Do you like Supergirl? We do, too. And we're super excited to bring you a fan podcast devoted to the upcoming Supergirl TV series on CBS from Greg Berlanti and Ali Adler, starring Melissa Benoist as the Girl of Steel. Check in with us every week for news and discussion about the last daughter of Krypton. Supergirl Radio. Your source for all things Supergirl. start with the cover and just a point of note that this is the first cover of the series and really the only one to feature two characters that have absolutely nothing to do with one another Mm -hmm. in in my mind i was trying to see how we can make a connection between green lantern and manhunter (laughs) and the only real connection i could think of would be the idea that people Well, I guess that was that was another thing I could have okay. thought of. No, I, my, my thought was the idea of the Manhunters being the predecessor in the uh, Earth One DC universe. Oh, the, the Manhunter robots, that. yeah, versus the Manhunter here. So that was the only. But I guess yeah, yeah. Hal Jordan did kill a lot of people, and the Manhunter kills a lot of people. So that's another good connection. Also, also, I noticed uh, the trade dress for the the cover it doesn't have the sort of sunburst effect on there it kind of does in the energy coming off Hal's ring but it's not as prominent as you'd see on the other issues i'm taking a look at issue number six and we've got that similar sort of uh circular okay. sunburst mm-hmm. thing going on but uh otherwise it's it's not a bad look i mean the characters look fine yeah they they look really good together and the green and the black and the orange and the the blue and the red they all really work well together and I like the basic idea of this cover of them, you know, charging into action and I, I, even though it does break from the trade dress, I like the sewer stretching up behind them um, but the more I look at this cover the more I kind of don't like it because the perspective on both characters is just a weird choice and yeah. it, maybe not anatomically incorrect but just a bizarre angle to choose for both characters and hardly the most flattering look for either one. Yeah, I can agree with you there. It's the the way that they're positioned just yeah, it doesn't quite work. Howl's way above her and much closer to her and it looks like she's going to be running underneath him. It looks like they were placed it, it it looks like they placed the Manhunter character there and then said, "Oh, we need another character. Oh, let's put Green Lantern up there above her." And it, there was no meshing of the characters 
right in the frame of the cover so yeah um moving into the book I love uh, this opening page. Oh, yes. Power Gruel looks amazing. The one thing that I will comment on, and I, I think this is actually a credit to Jamal's Eichel, Jamal Eichel's artwork, Power Gruel doesn't look specifically Asian. There is no really defining Asian characteristics of them, which I think is a nice thing because it would be so easy for an artist to draw someone very stereotypically Asian. There's hints of it. But if you didn't know that Power Girl was supposed to be of Chinese descent, uh, I think you wouldn't you, you wouldn't be able to understand it, or you, it wouldn't matter to you. And I think that also comes from the fact that the last time we really saw Power Girl any amount was in the uh, the Dexter Bynes and Dusty Abel uh, version of Power Girl that mm. we had in the second wave of the books, where she was drawn in a very anime style. So right. the fact here that she looks more human and more, more more naturalistic that doesn't come through as much so i i enjoy that mm-hmm. yeah and i've grown quite fond of her new look too mm-hmm. opposing the very commercial one we had in the that dusty abel issue you talked about yeah and 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 again i i think eichel draws her to be very feminine but also very fit she yes. doesn't look out of proportion she she has you know to use the term she has all the right curves in all the right places <laughs> She doesn't look... That's the second time you've made that reference on this show. Yeah, I, I guess I've been listening to too much uh, <laughs> too much pop music. But um, she, she just looks... She looks real, and that's yeah. what I like. I like... I don't need my superhero characters to be so hyper-stylized that, that no one in reality could look like them. I, I like characters having a bit of reality to them, and even though they're doing fantastical things in comic books. Not to break off on a tangent, but what is this ad on the opposite of the front of the first page? Uh, that's we've got, we've got Darth Vader, Yoda, and like some fantasy characters. This is a game. Uh, I guess this is for Soul Calibur Four. It was a uh, fighting game. Uh, it's more. Le- it's not like uh, Mortal Kombat. I'm thinking it's more of a sort of 3D fighter. Mortal Kombat is more just sort of side by side fighters. Uh, but I think they added in various Star Wars characters into it, if I recall. Hmm. I haven't played Soul Calibur. I-, I played Soul Calibur in the arcade back in the days, and this was probably back in the late 90s or so. So this is uh, part of the uh, Xbox PlayStation 3 era, and I don't think I've ever played any of these games. But hmm. It just seems weird to see in the... Star Wars characters and like the Final Fantasy looking characters. Well, but anyway, it's weird. Uh, uh, turning turning to page two, holy crap! What an amazing double page. Splash. Oh my! This is this is where I said, uh, this is where Jamal Eigel is channeling George Perez because mm. everyone on this page has something to do. I mean, even though Batman, Spectre, and Black Canary are kind of just looking shocked, you've got Leah flying on one side and sort of paralleled on the next page with Hal Jordan. You've got the flash zooming in and you've got that wonderful sort of Carmine Infantino image of the speed lines and the yeah. multiple flashes. It's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And, 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 uh, credit again to the colorist on this. Uh, who's the colorist? Uh, was it, uh, Canilla trip? Yeah, I'm oh, certain yeah. she's using a lot of, uh, computerized coloring, but the look of the lightning coming up, black lightning and the energy from, uh, Howl's gun and, 
the only negative thing, and this is just a personal opinion, is when Green Lantern does his energy things with his uh, constructs, all the little pop-ups of the Green Lantern symbol floating around him, I'm not that keen on. But that's just personally, that's just a personal thing. Otherwise, the art on this page mm-hmm. is just outstanding. Everything yeah. about this is just, this is poster-worthy in reality. Each character in the, the spread looks engaged in the scene. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got Pooch, even Pooch, the robot dog is leaping towards Power Girl, and Power Girl's charging into the heroes like nobody's business. It's just all around a really knockout spread. Oh, yeah. But all that said, not my favorite page of the issue. Ooh, well, I'll be interested to see what's going after that. Um, after that, the next page, page four, um, Hal pretty much gets taken out really quickly and then forgotten for the rest of the fight. And that'll be kind of a nitpick, you know, uh, that we see at the end of the fight. Everyone else is lying around, but Hal is nowhere to be seen. Mm-hmm. So did they just kind of forget about him at the end or, or well, what? Well, he got hit with a, with a gravestone. Yeah. So. Well, Hal getting know. hit. How getting hit on the head is essentially Tuesday for Hal, but you know. <laughs> he's not. I don't know. You might have a point though, because he's not—he's not even to jump ahead to a few pages. Mm-hmm. At the last we see of this scene, we don't even see him laying on the ground anywhere. So, yep, that's what I was saying. I mean, mm. you know, the Power Girls got all the uh, unconscious, defeated heroes there, and Hal's nowhere around. So I, I can't imagine she just forgot about him, but maybe they're just. The artist forgot about him, sadly. But. Yeah, Power Girl being able to manipulate energy makes this particular group of heroes really ineffectual. Mm-hmm. But I was really impressed with how she plowed through all the heroes. You know, she's just laying into them almost effortlessly. And the only shot they really get to her is over on page, uh, I don't know, seven or eight, where the the Spectre plunges his hand through her chest. Yep, and even that doesn't seem to do any long-term damage. So, yeah, Power Girl is essentially able to withstand everything that this sort of, you know, combined JSA, JLA, Justice League team up uh, can can dish out to her. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I don't know if Eigel or Jurgens gets credit for this, but it was a really well choreographed fight. There was a lot of action, but it was easily read, and you know. Again, I felt like each hero had a part in it. Mm-hmm. The the only one I would say who didn't really do much was Batman, but Batman was more sort of trying to coordinate things. Yeah, he just kind of stood there and yelled at people for not doing things right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's, 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 that's Batman. Batman. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, the next page, page five, Leah finding out that uh, Manhunter was killed and her reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Is just awesome, especially yeah. that that uh, that last panel there, where we see her unleashing all this energy at Power Girl and the rage on her face. Uh, you know, this is something that you don't expect uh, Leah to to be doing. You you see her as this sort of bubbly, effervescent, fun person, and that she's just so distraught over the death of her teammate that she just completely lets go on Power Girls. It's it's an awesome panel, right? Here. Nice touch, too, in the, the panel before that as she um, just streaks towards Power Girl, leaving the melted tombstones in her wake. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's 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 great. I'm, I'm sad to see Manhunter killed off, and I'm disappointed that we didn't learn more about her or her origins, 
but I'm glad that Jurgens is willing to kill characters off. Um, obviously, none of the DC heroes are going to die, but it, it does raise the stakes knowing that not that's not necessarily the case with the tangent characters. Mm-hmm. And then that panel there, that uh, fifth panel where everyone's unconscious, Hal Jordan, like I said, Hal Jordan's nowhere to be seen. And surprisingly, Wally has been able to uh, pass out <laughs> right on top of uh, Black Canary's butt. So, you know, I mean, I guess if you can, I guess if you can, you know, oh, oh, I'm falling and right onto your butt. So uh, I guess if, if you can manage that, there's a nice place to, to, be, to rest your head, I guess. Kind of creepy on Wally's part, but mm-hmm. why not? Yeah. Um, another interesting thing I found about this fight is that Power Girl's basically just tossing people around. And it's really only with Leah and Black Lightning that she uses this um, symbol, uh, symbol-shaped burst. So that just speaks even more to her power level and her, her willingness to be physical in combat rather than just, you know, shooting fish mm-hmm. in a barrel, so to speak. Yep. Yeah, in fact, aside from this sort of weird symbol-based energy attack, she pretty much plows into people. She's yeah. being very hand-to-hand with them, so... There we go. Um, after that, I don't have anything until page 10. Uh, I had some stuff on page 9. This intricate border used on this page, and, and the next one is interesting. Um, he didn't do that in previous issues with, with the scenes with Hex and Lori, but I kind of like it. Um, also, Hex talks about Green Lantern being Lori's old friend. What connection did they have? Um... God, because she didn't, she wasn't a member of the Secret no. Six. So she was in the JLA, and Joker was in Secret Six. Hmm. Yeah, so. I'm wondering. I wonder what they could mean about that. Yeah. Mm. And then in the last panel, um, the first set of balloons is pointing at Hex, but I think those should be pointing at Lori because it doesn't make sense if Hex is saying that. Where is that on page nine? Yeah, the very last panel. Yeah. It says the president's interrogator spent months grilling me about her. Really? Or sorry, that that, that balloon comes first. Yeah. Really? I haven't heard of her for so long. I figured she was dead. The president's interrogator spent months grilling me about her. And then Hex says, "Not a surprise. They realize what a threat she is." But yeah, the way I think it's drawn. That's all coming from Hex. Yeah, I think that they should have extended the line out a little bit to make that look like it was going towards right. Lori. So yeah, that is kind of a. I didn't even notice that. I kind of I kind of read that specifically is Lori. Um, the, no- the note I have on the next page was, I was wondering who the heck this person was in the final panel. I did too. Uh, 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 no, I actually had, uh, I actually was like, who is this guy? Is this someone we haven't met yet? And it wasn't until I read ahead, you know, for the next episode that we're going to be recording that this is Sir William. Yeah. This is this is the guy in the uh, castle that uh, controls the uh, Batman from the sort of mystical thing. So um, I didn't realize that till then, but that's that's kind of nice to know that uh, the mystical Batman is also trying to help out as well. Were we supposed to know who this I, is? Because not to spoil ahead, but when we get to the next issue, it's not a big revelation or anything. You know, they just say, oh, Sir William, so. Yeah, I guess we were. It would have been, you know, I think it would have been nice if they would have mentioned who he was and we would have had, because when I saw him, I was like, who is this guy? And I think it was because 
we were more focused on the actual Batman suit rather than the Sir William character in the Batman right. book that we really didn't latch on to this is who this character was. Hmm. So. Okay. Page 11, Power Girl arrives at the, at the Superman's Switzerland estate, or not an estate, but a stronghold, I guess. And Superman calls her May. That's the first time we've gotten a, a name for her other than Power Girl. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 no, I noticed that, and you know, I was wondering if it was, uh, you know, Melinda May from Agents of Shield, and that would be an interesting crossover. <laughs> and and it would have been it made me allow me to think about Ming Na Wen again because I enjoyed thinking about Ming Na Wen because, well, to to steal Shag's thing, she's hot. There you go. Um, I really like the uh, sly Superman number one homage in the fourth panel there as she's landing. Where's that? If you if you flip it, it's just like the cover of. Superman number one with Superman soaring above the city. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Nice. Um, I didn't really have any notes on this interrogation scene between John and uh, the Superman. Um, I think my... Uh, I, well, I, I will admit the uh, the splash page where Superman... You know, Before we get uh, to that... Okay, go ahead. I, I thought his response about being married to someone else was really really cold and emotionless yeah it does kind of lead you to believe that even though that we saw in the last uh, backup story the history lesson story that Superman supposedly lost his wife Mm -hmm. it does kind of make you wonder what's going on with all of this and again not to spoil ahead we'll see someone in the next issue that will kind of make you question whether or not uh, he lost his wife. But uh, that's spoilers, at least in my opinion, for the next episode. Uh, yeah, it it, 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 could po- it could possibly lead into his character mm-hmm. uh, of why he kind of took this sort of dark turn and uh, isn't as helpful as a character as, you know, you would have thought he would have been. So uh, on to the splash. Yeah, the splash page uh, where where Superman is probing uh, Green Lantern's mind, and we just get this phenomenal. Oh, it's absolutely image. amazing. Yeah, this, this again. This is why I I hearken him back to I go back to George Perez because everyone on this panel is drawn beautifully, and the, there are some characters like characters with the Titans over on the left hand side that I'm not specifically knowledgeable about, but we've got the JSA in the middle. We've got members of the uh, the Justice League International with Booster Gold. We've got the Justice League. We've got the villains down at the bottom with Bizarro and Bane and Cheetah and Sinestro and Lex Luthor there. Oh, it's just... The the <laughs> only negative thing I could say about it, I wish it were... I wish it weren't the sort of hazy, matrixy type green coloring. Yeah. I think that would be the only thing that detracts from it, but everything else on it is just so so amazing yeah all the major characters from this era of the dcu are there you've got the jla the jsa the teen titans as sean said you got the 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 villains and other miscellaneous heroes and even better this is all original art this wasn't piecemealed from previous panels in the story or other issues eigel sat down laid this out and drew it from a blank page Mm -hmm. and absolutely incredible and all of them look great. I oh, mean, yeah. the, jo- the Joker in there looks great. Sinestro, I- I'm a big fan of the way uh, you can draw Sinestro 
poorly at times. Mm-hmm. And Eigel does a great job of getting him with the sort of elongated head and the very sinister, you know, you know, mustache, you know, the mustache thing. Uh, and Superman at the top. It's, oh God, He's smiling. Yes, and and I know we've talked about that. It's so good to see Superman smiling, yeah. and this just captures it perfectly. This is just a, another great image in this book. Yeah. I wish we could just stare at that for a while. Um, I guess I guess we have to it finish. Would, it up would make book. a great poster if you could take the Superman's head out of the center. It would make mm-hmm. a great and color it properly. It would make a great poster. Oh yeah, just a, yeah. It'd be one of those great mashup posters. Which yeah, if I, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, wholeheartedly. Um, but it's interesting. Moving on to page fourteen, it's it's interesting how much on this page, and even going back to page twelve how quickly Harvey seems to spin out of control at the idea of all these heroes. And it makes me think maybe his control over this world isn't as iron-fisted as we've been led to believe. Mm. Maybe he's dominated the world, but is only barely keeping control given, you know, limited opposition that there is. And I don't know, but his reaction kind of struck me as quite extreme given how calm and cold and collected he'd been in previous issues. Yeah, it does kind of make you wonder. I mean, he suddenly finds out that there's a new world that he's never known about that probably bears him no ill will that does have this number of uh, super villains and super beings on it. And his first thought is, I've got to make sure that they don't come over here and try and oppose me. And that his, his direction is to go and try and take them out. So right. It does. It does make you feel that he's kind of proactively looking at this, trying to take these people out rather than just leave well enough alone. Maybe makes you think that he might be a bit paranoid about things. Mm-hmm. Mm. After that, I really don't have anything uh, until the end, where yeah, over to page seventeen. Yeah, yeah, where 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 we get the. Uh, I, I thought it was kind of comical that uh, the specter says something about. You know, there's an advantage to having enough money to build a secret research facility <laughs> and an ordinary looking house. And Batman's like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> you know, yeah. done that for a while. I understand. And even without the high tech research facility hidden beneath, this is a really nice apartment. Mm hmm. Well, you know, it's New Atlantis. I'm certain, you know, and I think wasn't it referenced prior to this that uh, the character who plays the Spectre was actually sort of a. Uh, inventor or a uh, industrialist he had he basically had money yeah i think they said that in the i'd have to look back but i think they said that in the secret six issue where they introduced him okay but um yeah seeing seeing plastic man here made me really happy it it was Mm -hmm. just another nice issue ender maybe not a cliffhanger of peril like the others or you know the revelation of a new character but i i don't know i just wasn't expecting him and it made me happy to see him here at the end Mm -hmm. and you know that he's kind of you know sitting around in the the uh, empire strikes back bock to tank and he makes a little smiley face thing that's kind of cool to see but uh yeah like i said not as not as gripping as previous issues but still not a bad issue on its own right uh do you want to go ahead and go into the uh 
The History Lesson? Yes. All right. Well, this is part five of The History Lesson. It was written by Ron Mars, penciled by Fernando Prasarin, inked by Matt Banning, colored by Dom Reagan, lettered by Steve Wands, and edited by Nachi Castro. As Jenny, Guy, and the Transporter, not Jason Statham, enter the Nightwing facility, Guy begins to question his decision to take this job. Jenny tells him not to worry and to just sit back, relax, and fill her in on the Joker. Reluctantly, Guy relates a tale of the New Atlantis anarchist who took down criminals and the corrupt alike. He tells of her unlikely team-up with the Secret Six, as well as the reveal that the Joker was actually three people, Mary Marvel, Christy Xanadu, and Lori Lamaris, the latter being a parolee that Guy can find out all kinds of information on. Jenny is pleased, but now she wants him info on the Green Lantern. Guy balks at the request, saying that he doesn't have to tell her anything else. Smiling, slyly, Jenny replies, Is that what you think? <laughs> I might be on the right track from what I said last episode, and maybe these folks aren't with Nightwing. Because Jenny, when they walk into the room, Jenny says this was a Nightwing facility. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of thinking that this is, you know, Nightwing may have been broken up by... You, you would think with the feelings that the super, the tangent Superman would have towards Nightwing, right. that he would do everything in his power to break up Nightwing as much as possible. So if they are or were connected to Nightwing, they're only appropriating the Nightwing facilities in order to go after the Superman. That's kind of what I'm thinking might be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I don't have anything really to say about this. It's... Yes. Uh, we don't really learn anything new about the Joker, but it was a nice summary of what we already knew from previous mm-hmm. issues. Um, some fun art with her swinging around the city and a couple fun pinup type panels. Um, I love the panel of the Secret Six on the rooftop yep. on page three. Um, that's about it, really. Yeah, I think the only real reveal that we got was uh, Madame Sandadu's uh, first name was Christy. Not, not oh, that, that I really. Yeah, I don't think I don't think she was ever mentioned. Her first oh, okay. name was ever mentioned in the book, but uh, other than that, yeah, that's you know it's pretty much a little ongoing thing that uh, tells us what was going on with uh, the Joker in the first uh, two runs of the Tangent book. So, yeah, I guess but, it serves uh, its purpose. Yeah, yeah, like I said, it, it's basically keeping keeping the story in the in the prior part of the book, you know, ongoing and not having to bog it down with a bunch of uh, details about past issues and what's going on so right. yeah I, I i'm i'm enjoying it uh it, it's working for me all right well you got anything else on nope the issue I'm, as a whole? I'm i'm good with it like i said you know not as good as previous issues but still it's not taking no, a downturn not bad yeah maybe not great but not bad either so mm-hmm. and i i think sometimes that's that's all you want in a comic book because it's a fun read that, that engages you for a while and doesn't make you want to throw the broom, book across the room. And <laughs> this didn't do that. Uh, well, thank you all very much for listening. Next time, we will be looking at issue number six, which, spoiler alert, is a pretty decent issue, if I do say so myself. Um, but if you have questions or comments or want to offer your own thoughts on the Tangent universe, you can always write in to tangent at greatcrypton.com. And you can, as always, leave comments at the website or just hit us up on Facebook. So until next time, bye, everybody. See you around, everyone.
just finished listening to Parallel Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast, hosted by me, Michael Bradley, and me, Sean Ingle. The show can be downloaded from a variety of places, most notably Michael's website, greatcrypton.com, where you can find show notes, cover images, and a section for leaving comments about the episodes. It also can be found on iTunes by searching for Parallel Lines. And if you happen to use iTunes, please take some time out to leave a review. Maybe even a five-star one. Every review helps more people find out about the show. The show is also on Facebook, where you can like us and get updates when new shows are posted. Plus, images, plot elements, and general discussion about the books can be found there as well. Want to send feedback about the episode? Send us an email at tangent at greatcrypton.com. All feedback is warmly welcomed, and we will definitely read your comments on the show. When Michael and I aren't doing shows about alternate DC Comics history, we're busy doing tons of other geeky stuff on the internet. For instance, Michael does a podcast about Superman and Batman team-ups, cleverly titled Superman and Batman. And Sean hosts a number of podcasts, including Just One of the Guys, Walking Dead Wednesday, The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, Listen to the Prophets, and Who True Freaks. And all of these shows can be found over at twotruefreaks.com. Speaking of two true freaks, if you ever feel like making a purchase from Amazon.com, please use the Amazon link at twotruefreaks.com. After clicking the link, any purchase you make at Amazon will shoot a percentage of money back to the Two True Freaks website. It won't cost you anything extra, but it really helps out a great bunch of podcasters. Thanks for downloading and listening, and come back next time for another episode of Parallel Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast. Because in the Tangent Universe, you only know the names. Many thanks to Paul Spataro for providing this episode's intro. Paul is part of the Two True Freaks Network, where he co-hosts Listen to the Prophets, alongside this show's very own Sean Engel and also co-host Back to the Bins. Be sure to check out these and more at twotruefreaks.com.